Welcome, everybody, to episode 79 of the Wrist Cheese Radio podcast, your home for the horological hot takes, taboo topics, and often unpopular watch opinions. I'm your host, Brodinky. Schmidt is on the road again, but I do have the privilege of having a guest tonight. Um, I guess let me bring in my guest. I have Miss Dana Lee here. You might know her from the Tell the Time blog. You might know her from the New York Times, right? Yes, yes, yes. That was definitely a really, really crazy moment. Super surreal, but super awesome and so grateful for for that. So, you know, it's just a great conversation with some awesome ladies and can't really ask for more than that. Yeah, that was super cool. I was like, oh, man, like you grow up, especially you grow up in New York and you're like, I'm never going to be in the New York Times, right? Like, yes, like one of the biggest newspapers in the world. And then there you are. Yeah, I think it was just also extra crazy for me because, you know, I I knew this article was running, obviously knew what we were talking about. But then to see it just so happened for the online version, for whatever reason, my picture was like right underneath the New York Times header. Yeah, it was. I was like, (laughs) oh, my God, that that like was really what took me off. I was like, I know her. I I know her. (laughs) I was like, oh, my gosh, thank God I look good in that picture. (laughs) Yeah, it was a solid pick. Thank you. The but, photographer, uh, yeah. she she did well. She did well. Congrats on that. That's that's huge. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. And for those of you who who don't know by now, I mean, just Google it. It's up there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, we actually originally met through the wrist check guys at an event. Um, but I guess for those who don't know, why don't you just give a quick little introduction for yourself? Yeah. So um, like. Brodinky already mentioned, I run a blog, um, social media, all that good stuff um, under Tell the Time. I originally started this uh, more as kind of a passion project because I had a lot to say about watches. You know, I'm a collector and enthusiast first and foremost, and I'm pretty sure I was annoying a lot of my friends with all of the talk about watches. And so I was like, all right, well, I need an outlet somehow. And at the time I noticed there was a bit of a gap um, for resources that spoke to how women specifically thought about collecting and thought about just purchasing watches, just everything kind of within the watch world. There wasn't something that I felt like spoke to me. Um, That's obviously changing for the better, which is amazing. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, that was at the time I I was, I found myself a lot of the times just trying to find something that, that spoke to me in the way I thought about. Yeah, exactly. Truly. Um, That's not just necessarily like all the reference numbers, which I still probably won't (laughs) be able to tell you off the top of my head, even though I know which one, which one someone might be talking about at the time. So (laughs) Yeah, really, again, just started out as a passion project, grew from there, obviously have met some really, really amazing people out of it. And, you know, I'm just on the ride at this point. Yeah, and it's been, I mean, quite a ride so far, right? Yeah, I remember my first, actually, speaking of Risk Check podcast, I remember my first episode that I did, I think it was February of 2022. So last year, not that long ago. And I remember on this episode, I, I was talking about how I had like a little baby blog at the time and to see it kind of grow to this yeah, extent so right baby now. Anymore. Just, yeah, it's, it's unreal. And I'm super grateful again that anyone would like to listen to my opinions, quite frankly. Um, and I hope they find it interesting. But again, I'm just really glad and appreciative of the support. So thank you to everyone who's read, liked, engaged with anything so far. Yeah. That's really amazing. Um, I know, again, kind of meeting you sort of in that circle with them, they're very big into fashion. Every time I've ever ran into you, you're always very well put together. Did your love of watches come from sort of a fashion angle or was there something more to it? So I've always liked watches. I think even even as a kid, I think back to the first watch I ever had was a Swatch Flick Flack that my parents got me. Awesome. It, I actually still have. Not not the one that I wore as a kid, but I tracked down the exact same model of what I had. So that was on my wrist pretty much for as long as I can remember. I look back on pictures of myself when I was like four or five years old, and that's just consistently been on my wrist. So I've always appreciated it. And I think somewhere in between 
I don't know when, but there was a few years where I wasn't really wearing a watch and didn't think about it again too much. I think it was right around the time smartphones came out and we were all super fascinated yeah. with, you know, having everything in the palm of our hands in a screen. And it was really around the time I inherited my grandfather's watch that really kind of revived the spark in me. I knew even before then I wanted my first kind of big purchase from a big girl job to be to be a watch. But after I graduated some many years ago, <laughs> from <laughs> my uh, my my mom gave me her dad's watch. And that kind of really kicked off the the rabbit hole that we've just fallen into and are very clearly not getting out of anytime soon. <laughs> what uh, what what was that watch? It was, it's the, I'm actually wearing it right now, but it is the uh, Rolex OP with the, I believe it is a mosaic dial. My favorite thing about this is it used to be blue, it had a blue dial and my grandpa wore it every single day of his life. It is the one watch he never took off again final few years of his life he he passed before I was born so I never really got to meet him so I get this kind of connection to him from that which is really really special and he's sure enough wearing it every single day and I'm guessing just again from from where and exposing it to the sun all the time because he lived in Hong Kong at the time it just took on this beautiful gray patina that really I feel like can't be replicated so it has that very nice, worn-in, well-loved look to it. Yeah, that tropical sort of vibe to it. I mean, not yep. not in the sense that you get that sort of black to brown, but sort of that ghosting. I mean, I, I think those are not that specific watch, but I think that ghosting effect is in, like, tremendous demand right now. Like, when I see, um like, Datejusts that yeah. have that that ghosted look to it now, I, I see them going for, like, crazy money on the secondary market. And, they're you know, they're usually in, like, the – they that reference is usually in, like, the – like four to five range and then those ghosted ones are like eight nine like because they just look so so good and like you said you can't do that any other way but like wearing it you know so yeah i think it's also so special for vintage watches specifically and the reason why i personally really love them is you can have the exact same watch right same reference even go as far as the same production year but depending on how it's been worn or not worn it'll look totally different 20 30 50 years down the line yeah and like that era of rolex it wasn't like mix and match but like you there were so many variants on watches and like in the op and date just range like there was you know different kinds of dial textures you know fluted bezels non-fluted bezels there was just so much out there that you could like customize about a watch like now everything there's a little bit of you know you could still get a, a, a jubilee or an oyster fluted non-fluted but I feel like it was just an age where they were sort of, if they had the parts, they would just slap together a watch. Why not yeah. just sell it? And like, because of that, you can get such obscure little references with like nuances that like, that's the Rolex that I, I really, really love. Oh yeah, for sure. I, I feel like, you know, these, these days where it's, I mean, hard to even get a Rolex to begin with yeah, of course it, it, it almost kind of brings me back to especially when I look at vintage pieces it brings me back with a little bit of nostalgia thinking you know what must have that buying experience have been like right as you're walking into a store and you're like hmm maybe so for for my root beer for example um the bezel insert is the single color bezel insert not the bicolor right. one and to think that you know the person who bought it 50 some years ago walked in and said, mm, I actually just really like it better with the other bezel. And they were like, sure, of course yeah. we can do that for you and just swap it. I, I just, you know, I, I think back to that time and it, it it brings a little bit of nostalgia and I just, I can't help but wonder what that must've been like. I really yeah. can't. <laughs> yeah. I had, I had a close personal friend who bought a date just at the very end before sort of the re- restriction we'll call it um, took place. He was able to order it in the, customization he wanted so he got the bezel he wanted he got the bracelet he wanted they shipped it from switzerland it was like wow. a really cool experience to kind of witness secondhand it, yeah it, it, it kind of stinks that that's not out there for a lot of people anymore i mean i actually had uh it's somebody who i work with uh for the charity um he actually hit me up and he's like hey you know people um my daughter wants to get her husband a rolex for their wedding i'm like oh here we go you know like <laughs> 
And of course, it's a it's a fluted blue date. Just I'm like, ah. uh. <laughs> well, it's so crazy that that is even so hard to get because I remember I have a friend who he has a we're talking again 36 millimeter blue dial Datejust like Jubilee bracelet stainless yep. steel like we're we're talking very classic very simple and he walked into a retailer in New York and bought it not that long ago like I would say probably like two maybe three years ago and to think that now you have to you know go through this whole process and jump through hoops it's just it's crazy to me to to see that yeah I always enjoy those stories like the one-offs of people who are like I walked in it just showed up and I you know lightning in a bottle walked out with it you know, like yeah you're just like dang like I, I hope you bought that to like cherish because you know yeah well it's actually an extra funny story on that too because he had originally gone into the store and he had asked for the one without the diamond markers and he changed his mind later and he called back and he's like, actually, I would like the one with the diamond markers. And they're like, yeah, totally. No problem. We'll have it ready for you. Like by the end of the week or, or something, you know, um, like that. And wow. he sure enough, just picked it up after he changed his mind, which is unreal to think that you could just change your mind and pick <laughs> it up pretty soon after. Yeah. And so speaking of your root beer, I mean, that's the watch that always comes to mind when I think of you, because I feel like you've worn it every single time I've met you. And it's one of my personal favorites and it's from, a you know, an, an era that I really enjoy. Um, I guess what else is kind of hanging out in your collection at the moment? Yeah. So I have my grandpa's watch, like I mentioned earlier, I have the Pierre Cardin and JLC watch, which I wear. I haven't worn in a while, actually, but I was wearing it quite a bit. It was my, you know, fun watch. It's the one that has the really angular, triangular shape to it. Really yeah. funky. looks kind of like a bracelet. And I got that very serendipitously last year. Yeah, last year. I had seen the watch a couple of years ago on Instagram, as I feel like we all find one of our favorites at some point through social media. Oh, for sure. And I had it in the back of my my mind uh, for a while. Didn't really think much of it. Tried to do some research and could find like, all right, this is from the 70s. And it was, you know, a collaboration between Pierre Cardin and JLC. And I was like, okay, this is really cool. And last year I was browsing on Instagram and this um, amazing woman in Paris, she started, I believe she started last year at least, um, since she's still fairly new to to social media and has just been kind of building her site. She started um, selling vintage watches. And, you know, for me, I'm like, I have to support an awesome woman <laughs> in the industry who's selling, you know, really awesome vintage pieces, but I had like really, really cool ones. And she posted something and I thought it was hers. I didn't know it was for sale. And she was like, Oh, I actually have this for sale. And I was like, okay, <laughs> all right, here we go. <laughs> it's happening. <laughs> Um, so that was a that was another one that I really enjoyed. The re most recent one I got wasn't a purchase, but I actually took it from my mom. I took her old Chanel Premier watch. Oh wow! <laughs> um, so that's the one that I've been wearing a little bit more frequently. Again, just to kind of again feel that connection with her. I mean, she's still around, but it's just kind of nice. I don't get to see her that often, and it's just you know she bought it, I believe maybe when she was a little bit older than I was now, but you know, it's like, I can imagine her like around my, around my age, a little older, kind of just, you know, saying, Hey, this is a new, at the time a brand new Chanel that wa watch that came out and I really like it for whatever reason. And my mom just, I mean, fits it's, it's like that watch and her just, just makes sense. That's her too. But yeah. Oh yeah. A hundred percent. And so now I, joke about this quite a bit but I have my grandpa's watch I have my mom's watch and now you know I don't really have a modern watch in my collection other than a moon swatch and so I'm like all right like what's the third what's generation gonna be? gonna be what's it gonna be and that's a lot of pressure to live up with because I feel like they picked so well so they I'm did. like all right what am I gonna do <laughs> yeah you sort of have a like a, a grail type collection as far as people go right everybody always talks about the story right and everybody kind of romances well i got the moon swatch because i'm a big space nerd and i like nasa okay like you know i got a samaritan because i'm big into diving okay but like 
you have like the heritage that people sort of like lust after, like that they're trying to build when they talk about, oh, I'm going to pass this down. Like that exists. And not only that, you have like multiple generations of it, which is really great. Yeah, my uh, it, it is. It, it's something that I actually didn't really realize existed on that side of the family. And I, I mean, I didn't know my grandpa's watch existed. I didn't know my mom's watch existed. And this, these stories kind of just came up. And my mom, she didn't offer me her premiere. But when I asked her if I could take it, she, you know, she had known that I was really kind of building up till the time at the time. And she was like, Oh, like, do you, do you want to wear it for a little while? It's not like I'm wearing it. And that was kind of like a nice little moment there. And I think, in terms of heritage and the stories behind pieces, I just really see my watches, no matter what I add, it really just has to speak to me in some way. It has to yeah. speak to a moment in my, my life. Um, again, because it's just so, it's been some watches are something that I wear pretty much almost every day um, through many things that I shouldn't, as we all do, <laughs> I feel like. And I really have that kind of that I know this is gonna sound silly, but I really do have a, a bond with them and I I do use my watches very regularly. Like I I use them to tell the time over my phone. And so for me, I would rather have significantly fewer watches, which people are always surprised when I tell them how many I actually have and because they think it's more. And I'm like, definitely not <laughs> um, for the ones that are my own at least you know I'm like I post a lot of pictures and I would say like most of them are not ones that I own but for the ones that I do own you know I wear I love and I I very much um, have that emotional connection because it's otherwise for me at least it's it's hard for me to kind of jump the gun yeah that's amazing I mean my my uncle once saw I was wearing an Omega and he goes oh because you're great grandfather had an omega and i'm like and where is it like nobody knows it's uh, you know and he was like a prisoner of war in world war ii like wow god knows what it could have been like it might have just yeah. been a little dress watch i don't know but like imagine what it could have been you know so that yeah. he, he sent me a picture of like an old zodiac he had it's all beat up like it, it was just neat to see but like who knew like who knew any of that you know it's just cool yeah and also thinking back to a lot of these watches you know in previous generations these these weren't necessarily meant to be collectible items right oh, like yeah. they were so many are probably we don't even know lost to a drawer in a deep dark pit somewhere I think about it all or the, the time. storage unit right like we don't know where any of these buried with them right like yeah like who, yeah. who knows like maybe a maybe a relative has like some sort of you know rare omega rare rolex or rare protect that you yeah. know, no one's ever seen just just hidden in an attic somewhere and we would just never know yeah, and I think those are always cool stories when they come to light. Like nobody knew this even existed, and somebody pulled it out of a couch and sold it for yeah. you know how many million dollars. Yeah, well, one of my favorite stories that's pretty popular, I feel like, among the the watch community is that that um, JLC, the the deep sea memovox, that yeah. the the one that was found at Goodwill for five dollars, crazy. <laughs> Living the dream. I know, truly. <laughs> Uh, so I've uh, I've been asking everyone who's come on lately with me since my bud's been on the road. Um, what were your big takeaways from Watches and Wonders? Uh, any favorites? Any just things that stuck out to you? Yeah, I think from a design perspective, a couple of things stuck out, uh, stood out to me. Specifically, I think one of the things that we've been seeing more of I would say in the last two to three years is just brands really going big and bold on the color and the design, but specifically on the color in yeah. that we're embracing more of that, dare I say, neon, honestly, um, <laughs> of the very bright, like, you know, all up in your face color. And I think Watches and Wonders for me really kind of solidified that trend specifically after seeing, you know, I mean, even Rolex themselves, right, with their jigsaw pattern day day yeah. with the dials. celebration yeah. dial yeah the stone dials they just they really went for it and i think with these trends within the industry it's always you, you'll kind of see the micro grant micro brands go first and then you'll see kind of like bigger brands follow suit 
And, you know, for, for Rolex, a brand that is known to make changes a little more incrementally yes. to see them just go for it. I honestly kind of respect them for that. I have mixed feelings and I still haven't decided where I land on that particular design, but I do commend them for just going for it because I think I, I if you would have asked me, that's not something I would have totally expected from them. Um, I think another thing just, and this has been something that's pretty much been around for a while is independence. I saw a lot of just independent watchmakers absolutely shining. Love what Parmigiani did with the, um, with their new pieces. Absolutely gorgeous. That rose gold with the Navy dial is just, I mean, so yeah, just (laughs) beautiful. Um, Cartier also did a really good job, as they have done, I feel like, in the past. Yeah, they've been um, on a hot streak. Yeah, they really, I mean, across their collections, I would have to say, there's not something where I was kind of like, they missed the mark. There are certain things where I'm like, this may or may not be for some people, depending on kind of what your style is, what you're into. But they did a really good job kind of, giving a little bit of something to everybody while still being very true to their design and just doing really cool things for a lack of difference. Yeah. It's, it's funny because I, I always kind of joke that, you know, um, growing up in sort of the shadow of New York city, um, Cartier for me growing up was sort of the watch that a lot of my friends moms wore and they were all, mm. you know, little tanks and stuff like, but that's just always what I associated with. They seem small and dainty and very feminine. And like now, you know, they're, they've been putting out like skeletonized watches and things. And they made the Santos a, a jumbo. And they're really kind of just coming at you from a lot of different angles where they were very sort of just, I don't know, sort of that jewelry aesthetic before. But like even the um, colorful musts are really nice. Like I like those. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that was definitely a, a, there, a lot of really great surprises honestly all around from from them and i i mean i just kind of can't wait to see what they do in the coming years because they're really they're really going for it honestly yeah and i'm I'm curious to see kind of how they approach if they're going to go along with the trend to do the whole playful thing like that was a good step the the colorization was good like i'm curious to see what their next big move would be you know yeah they're very well positioned as i feel like the the jewelry houses are but i feel like pretty specifically they're very well positioned to kind of be that bridge between watchmaking and jewelry right there's you can see it in some of their super crazy high-end high jewelry pieces that you know they have that very serious watchmaking um aspect but then you also have this just beautiful gem setting work that is i mean it's unbeatable really yeah, them and, and Bulgari, I feel like, have just been, like, on fire. Like, I always talk about the Serpenti, like, you know, I'm probably not going to wear that. But if I was a lady collector, I would easily have one of those. Like, they're yeah. they're all sick. Like, I've seen some in the wild, like, you know, in the mall around, like, you know, if you go by, like, Louis or something, people will be wearing them. I'm like, oh, Serpenti. But I'm like, I don't even know if this person knows what I'm talking about. I'm not going to mention it. But it's it's just such a cool watch. Like, you know, it wraps around. It's got the snake head. You know, yeah, and, I th- and, and I think everybody's kind of come around on the, you know, the Octofinissimo and they went with, they went super thin and they've been kind of at it with, you know, Piaget and Richard Mille. So it's been cool to see for sure. Yeah, it's so interesting to see how um, Bulgari came in and just approached watchmaking. They kind of came in with this, we want to do something new and we're just going to start smashing some records here. Yeah, like so, you know, craziness. again, like like we're talking like all the thinnest movements and um the serpenti specifically i love it is so cool and i think it's so nice and it's just really great to appreciate in person i think i i've seen a couple in the wild but it's different to to try it on yourself yeah and for me i always get this was going to sound very silly but i get very nervous because there it's not like you kind of just wrap it around but you kind of have to like almost pull it apart a little bit to put it on you (laughs) and especially for the ones that are in gold i'm like a little like you know, you're kind of like, this isn't my watch. Like yeah, I'm just yeah, trying sure. it on. Like what's going to happen? But it's 
incredibly durable and honestly the one time I tried it on I really did not want to take it off I was in love <laughs> yeah it's funny I remember um I think it was at a bezel event you were at it too but uh they had a, a they're like you want to try on this group of I'm like yeah okay and then like I go I go to take it off I'm like I just put my wrist and I'm like here take it I was like I'm yeah. not gonna do this I'm not, I'm not gonna be the one <laughs> Do you ever feel like when you try on a watch at an event or at a store and it's not yours, you're just like so extra careful with it? Obviously, you need to like kind of like touch the buckle and like, you know, you really got to pull on it sometimes. And I've right. been told so many That's times, I'm like, pull harder. And I'm like, but it's not mine. Like if the clasp, if I really have to give it a good go, like especially like somebody's vintage watch, I'm like, I'm not doing this. I'm like, you do it. I'm not doing it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I'm glad it's not just me that feels that way because the number of times that I've tried on a watch and especially for the newer ones where you kind of really got to break that in yeah. a little bit and just put in a little bit of force they're like yeah just just pull it like it's fine and i'm like but it's not fine for me <laughs> yeah some guy at red bar let me try his like super old daytona and he's like yeah just, just rip it off i'm like dude this clasp is worth more than the watch i'm wearing so i'm not gonna do that <laughs> <laughs> oh my god um so you know uh we talked on blogging a little bit before um so you have your blog tell the time you've also been uh contributing for complecto with jason um mm -hmm. how's that experience been for you it's been great jason and i a lot of what we do has a nice overlap so we really just work together quite a bit it's it's a very easy fit to just work together it's so natural it's, nice, yeah. it's a very natural extension of, of what we of what we do and he's great super awesome person with a really great approach and perspective on the community and that international um women's day that women's history month um yeah you did all that. series yeah the women that was really cool yeah, the Women's History Collector Series was absolutely amazing. We kicked it off in, you know, good fashion for International Women's Day. But this was an idea we had where we want to at least get the ball rolling because there are so many women in the industry, in the community, that I feel like don't really have a chance to get their voice and, and stories heard. And so, again, for me, I think about whenever I look online or I read some sort of collector spotlight or, you know, watch a collector spotlight, there's a lot of guys. <laughs> and I feel like not a lot of women out there, even though when I'm interacting with other collectors, there's a ton of them. So wanted to at least bridge the gap there a little bit. And again, just kind of get those stories out there because I think, a lot of times and again this is getting better in the industry <laughs> where we're, it's, it's moving in the right direction but i think there's that notion that women are very one-dimensional in their tastes and preferences right like you look at a quote-unquote ladies collection from a brand and it's you know it's kind of what you would expect a small case Dainty. diamonds yeah with with some some pastels and pink thrown in there and not every you know, not every woman likes that. And I think it's, it's hard to kind of break that until you get more of those stories. And so that was the inspiration behind it. And again, with Complecto, the, the members are so engaged and, and everyone is just, you know, there because they have that really true passion for watches. So those stories just naturally kind of shine through. And I think sure. what was so special about that one specifically was we had, you know, people who haven't been collecting for, you know, a year even, or maybe just got started, just started collecting a year ago. And, you know, they're getting a chance to share their stories, um, which are important as well. Yeah, totally. And, uh, you know, just in my own experiences, I mean, just from meeting female collectors sort of along the way, and there's become quite a lot of them now um i gotta say they've always been very pleasant and very nice to deal with like you know this hobby can be a little i don't know snobbish at times or elitist or like you know a bit of a pissing contest so like it's never really like that with them with the guys you get you kind of get that you get enough guys together in a room and suddenly they'll start comparing you know oh i have this oh i have you know this is a diamond marker oh well oh you have always i have a jubilee so you know it's always, it's always something right the boys always got to do something 
but the women have been very, very cool. I have, a, I have a lot of friends. I even have female ADs that I, I buy from and I, you know, they, I have a great relationship with, they've, they've sent me, you know, gifts for my kids when they were born. It's, it's just very, oh. yeah, it's very nice to just get to know people on that level. And, um, you know, it's been really great to be honest. Um, yeah. So one thing I've always wondered about blogging, I mean, I kind of have that from podcasting as well, but do you ever get like anxious, the, the amount of people you might have seeing your work when it's out there? Like once you hit send, it's out, you know what I mean? Yeah, I guess for me, I'm always, I'm more in that curious phase right now, especially with, I'm, I'm curious to see what people's reactions are. I think I'm not necessarily one person who cares how many people look at it. And I mean, for that that has been shocking to me, honestly. Like I when I first started out, I was like, oh my God, 10 people, amazing. <laughs> um, now we definitely got a, a couple hundred and and one of my posts actually broke um a thousand at one point. That's so amazing. that was really awesome to to see. But I'm more just curious to see how they react to uh, the pieces I write or the content that I put up because it is, it's, it is similar to what's out there, but at the same time, it's not, I feel like, you know, I, I'll write interesting and in, at least what I hope to be interesting, say, <laughs> um, you know, articles on uh, the same watches that people are covering, but just in a different way. Like, for example, um, the most recent article I wrote was about how the color red is making comeback. And that has been covered from the fashion perspective, but it's also trickling into watches. And yep. what kind of inspired that was green, right? Um, green in 2021 started out as a spring summer runway show color that everyone started using, kind of caught quick on fashion. And then the watch world, you know, they were probably working on it already at the time, but they were like, oh, okay, well, we want to incorporate this color into some of our existing collections let us do that and you know shortly after late 2021 2022 it was year of the green watches right that's all you saw and i see a little bit of that with red coming back with purple as well but i think red is i've been saying that for a while i've been saying purple's catching on i hope so it's a gorgeous color i am here for it i love seeing more of of it i loved it so much that i went on a couple hundred word article about it i was like somebody has to please i'm like i think it's happening i i really want this to happen um or at least that was what i was thinking when i was writing it i don't think that came across on the article but you know uh that's what i'm hoping when people see it like oh yeah purple watch is a good idea for these reasons yeah i mean i saw when tag dropped that purple monaco i was like all right now it's on this is like a oh, yeah. very classic watch like this isn't purple it's on and it, it's cool you know purple is kind of a regal color it's mm -hmm. it's it's certainly something not a lot of people have so it's that's what i also like about red is there's like room for it in your collection because right there's so few opportunities for it that now you have them so you might as well you know take the leap in my opinion yeah <laughs> i think purple has also been really interesting specifically for me to see is the variety and interpretation because I feel like with the blues and the greens, you'll get very similar shades, even if it's not the right, but not the same color across um, different brands and different models. But for purple specifically, you have some people going the lilac route, but then you have ultraviolet, yeah. you'll have like this like mauvey purple. And so there's a lot more variety, I feel like, in the interpretation there and how bold or more reserved you want to take it. So I'm interested to see where people kind of choose to experiment on that scale. Yeah, I mean, you, you, you definitely saw it first in the, the micro, something like Studio Underdog, and then you have mm -hmm. people like Nomos putting out stuff. So it's it's been really neat just to see, it, even in the different tiers, sort of, yeah. you know, I think Chapek put out a purple watch. So. Mm -hmm everybody's doing it so that's that's just cool it's cool to see you know it's it's, yeah. it's like you said that it happened with green you know it, it's sort of been happening with red now it's here for purple so it's been neat um obviously you know the the, the pastel the, the tiffany blue everybody likes to call it took off it was crazy um but uh yeah you know it's, it's kind of been the neat thing with watches right it was all very just 
navy and black and silver. It's kind of like cars, right? Cars were very like yeah. black, white, silver, dark blue, maybe. And now you, you know, you see like beamers and stuff and like lime green. And you're like, okay. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, I think a lot of it also it's it's tied to and and a lot of what I see is, you know, watches really tied with with fashion or at least like what's also kind of going on in terms of trends, because, again, you know, I think with red specifically, I can't get the image of Rihanna at the Super Bowl out of my mind because she was in like that all vibrant red look and she had on that gorgeous red Jacob and Co., and I, I just, I can't get that out of my mind. And I'm like, this is, this is going to do something, thing. maybe not immediately, but it's going to do something. <laughs> yeah. That's very cool. Um, yeah. So I don't know all the deets here, but I heard rumbles about a possible career change perhaps. Yeah. Very that's new. exciting. Very that- new. Um, I guess now four months. Yeah. Four months in. So I for I actually don't know how many people knew that I was working a like a like a like a full on day job while I was running this um, for the better part of a year. But um, I used to be a consultant and I was doing a lot of growth marketing for early stage startups. That's kind of like where my background came from. So like not totally related to watches um, in any way, shape, or form. Um, but again, always had that passion. And as of January of this year, I kind of hit like this turning point. And I was at a place where I was wondering, you know, is this, um, is this something that I kind of want to try at least and see what I can make of it in the next, you know, six months or whatever that time frame might be. And it was just because I was getting to a point where I was, very much not sleeping if I'm being very (laughs) honest um trying to juggle two things at once and I was like this is very clearly not sustainable and I was fortunate over the past couple of roles that I've had where I I was in a place where I was able to kind of do that so took a little bit of a risk here and uh, yeah we'll we'll see where this goes but uh it's been it's been good so far um very different from the more corporate environments that I've that I've worked in. But it's really nice to have the time and energy, quite frankly, to be more creative. I think I, I've, I haven't had a job that's necessarily let me be my most creative at all times. So to really get to flex that part of my brain is has been really fun. Yeah, you get sort of both in one outlet, right? You you get mm-hmm. to do something that's sort of a, a passion of yours, right? That's kind of kind of the dream for everybody, I think. So yeah, congratulations there. Thank you, thank you. It's it's been it's it's like a it's definitely has its ups and downs. So I will say there's like little things that I feel like not many people talk about a lot, which is like oh, you had to deal with your own paperwork and like bookkeeping on the back end and I'm not a web developer but we got to figure it out right so uh, there's kind of a a little bit of that but I do kind of enjoy getting thrown in those situations for better or for worse Um, I think it just again it just keeps me on my toes and that's kind of explained a lot of what what I liked in the previous roles that I've had and I wanted to kind of keep some semblance of that but I figured I'd do it for myself. Yeah. Hey, betting on yourself. There's nothing better than that. And I mean, yeah. th- I think it shows, you know, your your confidence and your abilities and what you've been doing so far. So kudos to you on that one. Thank um, you. Thank you. I know we were talking earlier, you're packing, right? You're heading to yes. wind up San Francisco. Yes, I am. Right. So tell us a little bit about what you'll be doing there. Yeah. So I will be a couple of things that I'll be doing there. I will be with uh, Jason with Complecto for a little bit as well. I'm going to be helping him meet new collectors and just, again, spreading the the good word of Complecto. Again, Jason's been super supportive of me even when I first started out and and vice versa. So we have that good um, working relationship there. And I will also be speaking on a panel on Sunday that I have yet to prepare for. Very nice. (laughs) But we will, as we always do, figure it out. 
Um, so I will be speaking on a panel with Fortis and Autodromo. Uh, Blake from Warner and Wound will Very be cool. moderating it. And we're talking about um, deconstructing watch categories. So a lot of the industry has kind of relied on categories like pilots watches you know chronographs for racing and then diving watches but you know what 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 necessarily kind of and like what necessarily does the collector community or the industry like why do they rely on this so much right and because you think about it people aren't necessarily who are wearing diving watches aren't diving or they're not racing with their chronographs. So like why rely on these categories? Is there a different way we can categorize them? What's kind of, what's kind of like, what, what's the inspiration kind of behind using those um, specific designations, which I found a very interesting conversation that I'd never thought about. And, you know, definitely have some fun thoughts to share there that I need to kind of, <laughs> get down on paper and 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 um consolidate a little bit but i just figured it would be a really great conversation again with um some amazing people so we'll be sharing my perspective as well as learning a little bit more with the people around me yeah i was uh blessed to actually be on a panel at wind up new york last year um kathleen was nice enough to include me on that and it, you know it's a little surreal when you're up there so like definitely savor it um you know it's just crazy you're like these people are sitting here listening to me speak like yeah like who the heck am yeah. i you know what i mean it's just it's a little crazy but it's it's super cool and that that's gonna be a lot of fun definitely um soak that up while you can yeah um, yeah is there are there any uh brands in specific or people you're looking forward to seeing there I am excited to see some brands that I haven't really got to see in person yet. Christopher Ward is one of them. Um, there and Ordain is also another. They're they're very cool. Styles are they're like very gorgeous. yes. The, I remember when I came across them. It was at a wind up like many years ago. I was like, mm. I don't even know who these people are, but these are pretty nuts. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just seeing the pictures on social media online, I feel like it's definitely one of those brands where you just have to experience their watches in person because I'm sure photography can only capture the detail on that dial so much so I'm very looking I'm very much looking forward to to seeing them um and fears is another brand that Kathleen has kind of piqued my interest in yep. because her fears is amazing so I, again I've never seen their watches in person so looking forward to to seeing them as well and of course for the vintage lover and me excited to see eric and charlie again so yep. want to see what they have it's always really good stuff so yeah i'm excited it's gonna be great yeah any uh plans to maybe get out to geneva someday for one of the big shows yeah someday not the, not the um, windup isn't a big show but you know yeah like... someday um i actually i was i was debating if uh i wanted to um to go to Geneva which would have been on a last minute basis but it was not in the cards I was dealing with a very delayed passport renewal oh. and of course on day one we're talking like Monday that whatever I think it was like the 27th or something like that when everyone was announcing everything new I got super sick just oh. I don't know what I came down with it was not COVID thankfully but I got very sick so I was, you know, in bed looking at the releases, trying to keep up with them. Um, and uh, yeah, so I think it, all things considered, I think it was better that I didn't go because I would have probably been sick there and that would have been horrible. But I would definitely really like to hopefully sooner rather than later again, because I, I think it's just it's a whole other ball game out there yeah, and sure. you'll really get to kind of see everything up close. One of my dreams is to at the very least go on a factory tour um, for somebody doesn't necessarily need to be a specific brand because I think it's, it's so rare to get that insight into yeah. the watchmaking. And that's the most fascinating part, quite honestly. <laughs> and you get to wear the fun, the fun outfits with like the shoe covers and stuff. Cause you can't track any dust in there, you know? Oh yeah. It's a big deal. Yeah. So yeah no i'm i'm i one one of these days I, I i do hope to i do hope to make it out there 
Yeah, and if I could if I could offer any advice for windup, um, if anybody invites you to go anywhere afterwards, just say yes and go. Um, I had work the next day. I still went. I got home at God knows what hour in the morning, but I had literally the best time. I I was at the Oris cocktail party, and there were a lot of people I recognized there, and like everybody was just super chill, and we just stayed out super late, and just it was the best time. Like I didn't regret going to work hungover at all the next day, and it was just. Definitely do it. Like, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. Against, against your your better um, judgment, just go. I mean, the benefit of this Yolo. one is because I'm traveling, <laughs> right? Like, I have true nowhere right. else to be the next day except maybe maybe a flight. But <laughs> I feel like you know, at the very least, you know, you 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 interact, you party hard, and um, not not that they turn into ragers, but <laughs> you, you know, be you surprised. I. <laughs> I think I listen. I'm definitely like a in bed by 10 p.m. gal, so I probably head out before it gets to that point. Usually, before but, Oris bears um, on somebody's shoulders and he's swinging him around, it happened. It was it was that's wild. Amazing. I was dying. It was great. I but love that. I Aww. I was we were at a Koreatown karaoke spot. I was mm-hmm. on the mic doing Eminem, and some dude is swinging Oris bear on his shoulders. <laughs> like it, there was no better moment in the night. It was amazing. So that's that was how we closed it out. It was that just I, I like that. That's just fun. That's just fitting. terrifying. <laughs> yeah, that's pure fun. I, I I love that. Yeah, honestly, it's so funny that you mentioned going to work the next day after an event. That's rough some days. Like when you when you know you're having a good time at an event the night before and you're yeah, even like, like red ah. bar, like uh you know what, why not? Like <laughs> Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm doing my best. Yeah, I'm like doing my best, like one drink only yep. that one drink i'm like we gotta be in bed soon and then it's like 10 30 and you're like i have to get home now <laughs> yeah so we uh we sort of covered your i mean I, I guess i'll use the word meteoric rise here a little bit um what else would you like to accomplish going forward that is a very a million question, question. <laughs> that, that, is a, that is a million dollar question I truthfully, I think this answer hasn't changed since I started Tell the Time, and it is probably what I still aspire to hopefully do some days. I, I just wanted to create a comprehensive resource that people could go to. Obviously, you know, catered a little bit more towards women because that perspective is there but and there's it comes a lot natural, of gaps obviously, yeah. yeah and there's a lot of gaps i feel like still in the ter- in terms of the variety of voices in that in that sphere but i just want to create a comprehensive resource that um you know women watch enthusiasts can come to whether they're brand new they're super deep into um the watch world and 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 know more than i ever will and and have that be an educational resource for them, um, whether it's about a specific watch that they're looking for, or they're curious about something going on within the community or industry, that would kind of be my dream is to have someone, you know, again, just, just view it as an educational resource for them to help them along their watch collecting journey um again for better or for worse you know this little this little addiction (laughs) we all have um I have funnily enough have influenced some of my friends to spend more money than they care to admit on watches and I I I feel bad but I also scary at times yeah I'm like I'm so sorry but it's a trip though it really is (laughs) yeah I'm like now we can we can commiserate about this together (laughs) of like why we should or should not have made that one specific purchase um i always think back to your memes whenever uh (laughs) a lot of them are about a lot of about bringing other people down with you other people going down on the ship along with you right it's about being in the same boat and the community we all we all we all go through it together and you know what yeah it doesn't matter it doesn't matter if you're collecting in like the high end or the low end like you're doing the same stuff it's just different dollar values you know exactly it all feels the same too you're just like ah that thrill ah. the the new watch thrill doesn't matter if i'm buying a you know hundred dollar seiko five or if i'm you know going big it doesn't really matter it's still like oh it's here let's go you know yeah and then soon after you're like all right 
what's the next what's, next? what's, what's the hunt what's the next hunt we are going it's on such a sickness it really is but yeah. it's, it's enjoyable you know it's enjoyable to I, everybody i know personally is has been in it for years now so like it's 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 a it's a real thing it's tangible it's just it's crazy to think about yeah and i think watches specifically just lend themselves so well to connecting with people because unlike i feel like other like other things or you know other activities like there's book club there's running clubs um but watches specifically and 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 groups of people who kind of get together to to really talk about watches it really lends themselves well to that because you almost kind of have to share something personal about yourself definitely when you're talking about a watch because it'll be like i got this watch for my wedding i got this for my first job or when my kid was born or this was passed down to me or even it's i like it because i'm a diver right i like it because um someone that i really look up to had this watch and it was you know kind of like that marker of success for me whatever it might be and so you almost naturally get to know a person a little bit better because of that and i i can't really think of any other hobby or kind of collectible item that almost does that in the same way yeah it's a bit revealing like i I think if you look at some of the things people have you know, I think maybe the staples don't really tell you too much, but like, for example, like your JLC is kind of out there. It tells you something about that person. Mm-hmm. Right? Those, those are, I feel like the conversations that I really enjoy the most is when I'm sort of getting to know someone who I haven't met before. And I'm seeing their collection, like the, the little obscurities and the little nuances. And I'm like, oh, and it's starting to make sense. And I'm like seeing how it kind of compliments them as a person in a way you know yeah it's kind of the neat part when you know when people use the 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 term community all the time i feel like that's where it really shines kind of in that respect Mm -hmm, for sure yeah um yeah uh so this has been quite uh easy and rolling along very well um i don't really have much else so why don't you quickly plug yourself tell everybody where they can find you find your work Yes, you can find me online at tellthetimewatches.com, social media, it's at tellthetime with periods in between each word um, because the other usernames were taken. (laughs) Um, I am on Instagram and um, occasionally on TikTok. I try. It's very hard to keep up (laughs) with. I'm not going to (laughs) lie. But yep, you can find me there. Yeah, if you if you can't, I follow her. Just go to my followers. I don't follow that many people, so you know, <laughs> you'll find it in there somewhere. But uh, yeah, we gotta be somewhere up near the hour mark. Um, this has been a blast. Thank you so much for joining on with me. Yeah, thank and, you so uh, much for having me. This was yeah, so fun. Absolutely. So um, yeah, we'll just take this one out. Everybody, Dana Lee, it's been a pleasure. It's been awesome chatting with you. All right, take care. Thanks, you too.